ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking about the Evil Dead, still on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from some rat-ass cabin in the woods in Tennessee. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. I'm going to unpack all the goriest and oatmeal-filled details of the second half of The Evil Dead in the hopes that a Deadite's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to make sure if she puts somebody in the motherfucking cellar, they're going to stay in the cellar. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm good. I spent a little little time before recording trying to figure out if it was possible for me to do the entire podcast with either a, a mouthful of milk or, or uh-huh. a mouthful of what appears to be a dishwashing liquid. Sure, uh, yeah. But I, I could not figure out a way that to do that that would not result in a huge, disgusting mess. <laughs> Didn't seem like anyone in the movie seems to be able to figure that out without making a huge, disgusting mess. And in fact, if you were to subtitle the film, huge, disgusting mess would probably be a good call. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the uh, yeah. We need the the, the laser the, the laser disc chapter for this entire last forty minutes is huge, disgusting mess. <laughs> it's absolutely true, uh, Gina. I don't want to scare you, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a very special guest. You, of course, know her as a horror bon vivant, right? She is everywhere that you, if you are looking for horror, chances are. She's probably there, right? She's an actor. She's a dancer. She does everything, including recruit me monthly to try to do horror trivia, which I fail at. And of course, most importantly, she is uh, a returning champion here to Kill by Kill, the one, the only Alyssa Wagner. How are you doing today, Alyssa? Hello, I am doing great. And you are not a failure on the team. You are probably the best one. So. That is patently <laughs> untrue. It's, we have been you know doing what? this for years now. No one can call me the clutch player <laughs> on our Dead Right Horror Trivia team. Listen, we may fail, but we're winners in our hearts. It's That's true. all that matters. Listen, we're not at the bottom, and we're most certainly no. not at the top. We're right in the middle. We're usually in the middle, sometimes lower middle, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to blast Jared because I like blaming everything on him. So I hope he listens to this. <laughs> it's all Jared's fault. What are the chances? Uh, Jared, <laughs> if you're listening, your mom. Anyways. Your mom. Uh, this, uh, we're talking about the evil dead. Now, in the previous episode, uh, Gina and I discussed how we had kind of come to this motion picture after ingesting Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. What's your story? My story? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you said Gina. I'm so sorry. Well, okay. Gina and I talked about it in the last episode. <laughs> That's why so I was like, oh, okay. you're the only one who wasn't there. So I'm going to pick on you here right at the top <laughs> well, and ask yes. you when was the first time you saw 1981's The Evil Dead? So I was I was trying to think about that. And this is one of the very few horror movies, like the classic movies that I love so much that I genuinely can't remember specifically when I saw it. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm pretty sure it was around the time of my my horror awakening in the early mid 90s when I was probably too young to be watching this. Uh, mm-hmm. When my mom helped out at the the Albertsons video rental <laughs> side section, remember mm-hmm. those? Uh, <laughs> and she brought home inventory and she brought home horror movies and she did the thing that all 80s 90s parents did. And they're like, turn a blind eye, not know what we're watching. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I saw Evil Dead 2 first, but uh, I remember the first time I watched this was after I had my whole curiosity thing when the internet was really cool and fresh and like GeoCities and Angel Fire websites mm-hmm. were a thing. And I remember reading reviews about how gory it was and I didn't even know what gore was and I was so excited to see it. But uh, the franchise on a whole holds a very special place in my heart because a few uh, a year before the pandemic, uh, I played Annie in Evil Dead the Musical. And that was... One of the best experiences of my entire life to see all the fans just like Rocky Horror styling it in the audience with Ash. And oh, my gosh, it was amazing. So watching this, I kept hearing the musical cues and wanting to sing like a freaking nerd. And it was awesome. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Yeah, I Gina and I also came at this after watching the sequel. And so it's a little tinged by that. But. Watching it again with some fresh eyes here, uh, I personally fell back in love with it. There's just an element to this that is hard one, that is charming. Yes. And charm is in short supply. You can't manufacture charm. It only is something that occurs in the eye of the beholder. And you can't plan on it ahead of time. It's not your, it's not a saving grace you can rely upon. This is charming simply by the fact that everyone involved in it cared so much about it yes. that they endured its, uh, you know, photography. Well, that's why I think it stands the test of time too, because honestly, like I, it shows what you can do on a nothing budget and it's possible. So nobody can ever say, Oh, I don't have the budget to make this work because I would on any given day, much rather see oatmeal Shelly on -hmm. screen than see like Pennywise CGI face on screen. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Not that I hate that, but uh, I hate, I I don't, I just, I am not a CGI fan. (laughs) So I, I would rather just plaster some oatmeal on someone's face and call it a day. And to me, that's scary and I love it. And it's passion. That's passion. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Hearing about, you know, the travails of, of making this film happen and that unlike some of the other, you know, at least unlike, the sequel where that's very ash focused. It's almost Mm -hmm. like the last 40 minutes of this are what the first 40 minutes of evil dead two are. They sort of repeat those themes with an eye towards causing more harm (laughs) to their, to their high school friend. Uh, Have any of you read if chins could kill? Yes. Once upon a time. Certainly yeah. not recently, but yes. Highly recommend the the audiobook of that. Uh, Bruce Campbell is the love of my life. Do not tell Corey Feldman that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to read all the accounts and what the cast went through and how they were just tortured. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's an element to it. it it's, it's something you can't replicate necessarily because... Part of the reason why Raimi and Tappert are allowed to get away with it is because Bruce accepts it as part of the deal 
to making the movie. And he wants to make the movie more than anything else. And as a result, it's it's something you can get behind. Whereas if you just watch somebody actually being harassed and tortured on a set of a movie, it probably wouldn't be as much fun as this. Yeah. No. <laughs> that is the truth. And, you know, listen, it's not to say that the stop motion or the janky camera effects here are any less artificial than CGI. Oh, it looks so cool, though. But they're more handmade. They're bespoke. You couldn't recreate them if you tried. Um, Whereas CGI is something you can recreate. And as a result, it loses something in, in the mix. The problem with a lot of low budget horror movies and even ones that are come out today is there's a there's a real sense of, well, we don't have to make it good. This costs us 30 cents. You know, Mm -hmm. we we don't we don't have to we don't have to make any real effort here. But I I really get the sense from one of the things that makes uh, Evil Dead such a, you know, it's a weird word to describe, but a lovable movie is Mm -hmm. they really wanted to make a good movie. And, yeah. and you know, you really see now, yeah, there's a lot of like you can tell when you you would it's a, there's at least three different actors playing playing uh, uh, Linda. And it is it is it is it very easy to tell when they're switched out uh, mm-hmm. that 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 burial scene is particularly egregious in, in yes. switching <laughs> switching out different stand ins to 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 play her. And it's like. But they are really trying the very best that they can. They're they're not. I, I don't get the sense that they're winking at the audience, and say, "Yeah, there's a piece of shit. We know it." They they really are trying to do the best that they can with what they have. Yeah, that's why I think it's just so. The word, yeah, the word is charming because you know it's it's one of the greatest midnight movies to watch with an audience. And while I think the first one may not be, you know, everyone's quote unquote favorite or most exciting or whatever. I, I just think it's probably easily my top three list of just films that I respect the most, I think, just on what they were able to accomplish and just how, you know, they had an idea, they had a passion, they had a drive and they did it and look what happened. And it was right. awesome. Yeah, you just, we were discussing it in a previous episode, but to, to think about something that you made in your early 20s that becomes <laughs> a sacred cult object that says influential, as the evil dead becomes, that's hard to grasp. Yeah, that, I can't because imagine. everything's a bit more ephemeral, just because there's so much more coming out. And th- that's not to denigrate anyone who's producing something. We're producing something right now. Right. It's just that the torrent that comes out now is such a massive tsunami in comparison to the slow trickle and spurt of 1981 and trying to get this out there. And we mentioned it briefly in the previous episode, but I I wanted to go back to it ever so briefly um, and talk about our old pal, uncle Stephen King, the the media critic who is yet to see a bad movie or TV series. (laughs) Oh, uncle, uncle Stevie. Yeah. I love him. (laughs) Listen, he loves it when someone, put something on and so do I in many respects, but he's awful generous. Uh, That being said, when he is full throated about something and he calls a shot, it's, it's worth noting. And I think this is what puts him on the map for that 
because the quote that goes on the movie poster that is, that gets this, you know, run in hundreds, if not thousands of drive-in showings for years is his quote calling it the most ferociously original horror movie in ages. And I think there are two words that um, are interesting about that quote. And one is original and the other one is ferocious. And so I guess I will ask each of you in turn, Gina, do you think this is more ferocious than original or more original than ferocious? Uh, I think this, I think the second one is more ferocious, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, just, you know, by, by design of how these things work, this one's more original. Yeah. Uh, what, what say you, Alyssa? I, I agree as well. I mean, this is definitely original. If you think about that time, um, there were very few movies quite like this that kind of came together the way this did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something just, you know, a Sam Raimi film when you're watching it. And I think just because of that, it's it's more original than ferocious. But I agree about the second one being more ferocious. Yeah. Yeah, see, yeah, see, the second yeah. the, the second one, you're basically watching Ash just lose his mind. And and and, and, and here he's you know he's just he's just more scared than anything else. It's and, and that contrast, because I think the general public at least probably knows of Ash Williams being more of the kind of cynical, crotchety, curmudgeon man, (laughs) sarcastic man. And it's just so, and a lot of people, I know there are other camps who just, they actually, they hate that. They can't stand that. It's like Freddy Krueger. But watching this one again, and just being so familiar with the second two, you you kind of, you know, the moment Ash goes crazy and he's just kind of says, fuck it. And he just lost his mind. And then that like his, just something in his brain shifts. And I think Mm -hmm. that's plausible. I think that makes it plausible why in this one he was just like this is so what literally like there's a song in the musical called what the fuck is that like it's like what the fuck is that <laughs> yeah he's like up to, up, to point, up to a point he's pretty useless right like, when you right. Have, when uh um i think it's uh Cheryl uh, when when oh Shelly when uh when, when she is attacking Scott like he's just standing there like I was he's gonna say yeah he just has he's clutching an axe he has no idea what what he's supposed to do in this situation he looks mildly inconvenienced like he saw a child pee his pants and he just felt really bad for that child <laughs> like he just looks kind of like ooh, like ah. like scott is telling scott is telling him what to do and he still won't do it yeah no there's no amount of instruction that's going to get him to participate in the death of a person who up until moments ago, he knew to be a human being and now is, you know, a bad milk robot just trying looking to stab anything. Um, and as such, there's layers to him that eventually shed a little bit for the purpose of making a different type of motion picture. Uh, whereas here, he really does have levels that he increases by over the course of the film and to the point where he's like, he has to chain up the remains of his girlfriend. And he's like, all right, time to chop up this person. And he can't do it. He can't bring himself to that point. That's just not something he's capable of. He's not going to pop on that chainsaw onto the stub of his hand and yell groovy. That's a different level of character than what we get in this motion picture. 
And I think that's a very human response too, because honestly, if we were stuck in that exact same position, we could just have that, you know, fight or flight response that just plants us there and not, not knows what the hell to do. So on that as like regard, I do understand why he would maybe just stand there and just like, I can't, I can't bring myself to do this. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. It, it, it truly does. And so that, that was the other kind of enlightening element that I, started to pick up on because to help the listener understand where we are in the recording of this, you know, we had recorded the first half well in advance and now we're kind of backed up because of travel, uh, doing this more immediately. And in the intervening time, I have seen feedback and conversations about not from our, you know, the, the listener that, we talk to on the regs, but more of the satellite where the conversation ends up online, just on the basis of bringing up the evil dead. And I've heard people refer to these characters as rote, unoriginal hmm. stock. And the only one I agree with filled with way too much blood for one body. <laughs> I yeah. agree with that last one, but I don't agree with the first three. Now, it, I think that depends on the age group too, who might be saying that because maybe these these uh, certain certain youngins are used to a certain uh, type of movie who think maybe this is all cliche or this is oh they're all you know the same characters I've seen over and over again. But yeah. at the time, it was not. Well, there was there so was no this was wasn't a, a repeatable formula. They created formula right you can obviously trace it to very distinct influences but you can't say that there was a bevy of evil dead movies before the evil dead that's just not something you can levy at, at, at this particular motion picture so as such there's only so much room for characterization and what how i feel about it is yeah it's not like the taking of pelham one two three level of character building i, I will grant you that but I also feel that each of these characters are their own person. They're not like just the writer's voice split into five individuals. They have distinct personality types and distinct purposes within the, the machinations of the motion picture. And as such, they're well above what you would expect for this motion picture. And any tropiness, I think, younger generations might feel about it is the combined effect of this film's influence on multiple generations of filmmakers. You, you have seen stuff like this before, not because it existed before the evil dead, but because it existed a whole lot after because so many people saw the evil dead and said, I think I can do that. Right. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, certainly Gina, We've covered plenty of horror movies that think they can pull off Friday the 13th. It's a deceptively simple thing that you think, I can make one of those. And this is a much larger task in my mind than just a bunch of young people off in the woods and they get hacked to death by an unseen assailant. This is a zombie movie, but also demonic possession but it's action, but it's gore, but there's psychological horror. There's a whole bunch of effects that go into this. Yeah. The 
level which they're trying to swing at is so much higher than I'm just going to get together with a bunch of my friends and put one of these on. It's not a barn where you're going to put on a show and come out with the evil dead. Right. Right. I need more pushback from the both of you. Oh. I need you to <laughs> argue you against me. Oh. What did I tell you? I said I when I when we started the first episode, I said you're not going to hear any complaints about this series for so me. It's so hard. Yeah, I mean, I, everything you said, I I agree with as well. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard. I mean, you can recreate it. You can just pump this out, you know, constantly. But whether or not, you know, it's whether you're going to still create something different within that. That's the question, which is what I think why this is so great of a movie is that it does set that example, but it's so hard to just, because there are so many genres, like subgenres within the genre, especially mm-hmm. throughout the whole franchise that's like, how do you, how do you even attempt to recreate that unless you're trying to do something like Cabin in the Woods that's just perfectly paying off homage to it, you know? Right. It's, Yeah. <clears throat> and because at least the with, with you got the cabin in the woods, you're talking about a film that's both using it as a launching point and then a something that you comment on and something that comments on what you're producing. There, there's a there's a lot of levels to that. Now, I don't need to denigrate other pieces of art in order to elevate the evil dead, but simply in terms of personal taste, I'll make a. a quick comparison and Gina you and I covered this on Patreon but if you were to level this up next to let's say Night of the Demons right Mm. perfectly fine little flick right and the moments that really work in that really really work and the moments that don't in my opinion don't really work at all um it tells me your level of ambition and talent and what everyone's willing to dedicate to themselves to make that vision happen on screen determines the out the outcome. And it's not to say that neither the demons is a waste of time. Far from it. All I'm saying is there's a reason why when you say the evil dead, everyone knows what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And if you say night of the demons, they're like, I think I've heard of that. Right. I yeah, I was going to say that I think, you know, you know, the magic, for lack of a better word, in, in these movies and, and somehow miraculously in the, the recent takes on them, even though Sam Raimi wasn't directly involved in them, is the people that make these movies really love these movies. And, yeah. I, you know, a running pattern that we've discovered in uh in, in doing in this endeavor uh, that we've been doing lowly seven years now <laughs> is you can really tell when a filmmaker, particularly in horror does not give a shit about yeah. Yeah. whether the movie is good, whether the movie makes any sense, whether, you know, there's a, a you, know, it, you know, a mass appeal. Uh, it, but in these movies, like they, they are, they are putting on a show. And and the the newer movies they're respectful to the to the uh, to the original material. There's no sense that they're trying to you know, you know, right some wrongs as what how, you know which is you know one of the reasons for me that the David Gordon Green Halloween movies really just just do not work for me as a, as as a whole because it feels like they looked at these earlier movies and said yeah no those all suck this is a better way to do it um, which is fine because some of them do suck. But at the same time, it's like that's you're coming out of the gates with a sort of sense of unearned arrogance 
for yeah. someone, someone who's never made a horror movie before. And but I there's no arrogance here. There is just, you know, we have yeah. this idea. We have about, you know, 12 cents in our pocket to make it, you know, but let's try to you know, make the best thing we could possibly make for an audience that loves this kind of thing. And we love them. And, and you can really that comes through. Yeah. And I think it's also because they had so many less higher ups, I would imagine, to uh, control the outcome of it than, let's say, you know, David Gordon Green's Halloween movies, uh, right. which I clenched my seat when you said that. Because <laughs> I just that could, that could be uh, just a whole other I could uh, I have so many just varying opinions. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times I feel like, you know, especially with with unfortunately like Blumhouse and things like that, a lot of them have to kind of cater to what's going to sell tickets, what's going to get butts in the seats. And it, a lot of times the higher ups, they'll say, you know, how about this? We love Halloween, but oh my gosh, for a second, I thought I was joking until I realized this was Halloween ends. But instead <laughs> of Michael Myers, let's not have Michael Myers. I let's, I, let's I make someone, that, let's, make someone yeah. let's make someone young, young and cute for the, not young the, and the hip. Appeal, who's who's hot right now to appeal to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, the female audience. Who's going to bring them tickets? No. What if we made Michael Myers soft, soft and cuddly, so soft and cuddly. He's, he's getting bullied by band members. He doesn't go to high school. These random band members bully him after they get out of school. He doesn't attend. Um, oh my God. Listen, we could go down that path for hours, but. I do find it interesting that, and this isn't always the case, but when you were dealing with a studio that obviously go the saying to themselves, this is the, this is what the things we have to have in this motion picture in order for it to be a hit. And then you think back to something like the evil dead and they're not worried about it being a hit. They're trying to make the best possible movie they can mm -hmm. In any way they can. And if that means redoing it a bunch of times, that's what they're going to do. They went into this thinking it would cost $125,000 and it ended up costing half a million dollars. So it's not like, even though it was a very low budget movie, it's not like there was a risk involved in what they were doing. But there was no one over their head saying, this is what you have to have in this film in order for it to be a hit. Yeah. The only, you know, competitive notion they had is this has to be the best movie we're ever going to make because there's zero guarantee that we're ever going to make another one. And it doesn't always work out in that filmmaker's favor, but I do think that genuine enthusiasm and back against the walledness where you have to invent a way out of a terrible, you know, uh, problem that you you've made for yourself uh, that causes you to do things you might not do otherwise. And as a result, it becomes more ferociously original than anything with a dozen uh, executives right. from various, you know, parties who own part of that IP all demanding that X, Y, and Z be a part of the finished product. Yeah. It just, does it, it like I I want every movie to be good, but not every movie is gonna be good. But I don't think that fucking helps. 
No. And, you know, even if they're not good, if you know that somebody's doing it, I mean, I I rarely see this happening these days because you kind of, in order to get your film out there and seen, a lot of times you have to have that kind of studio control, uh, unfortunately. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, if more films were allowed to be as relatively free as this one, I or if writers were allowed to have what's on paper or directors allowed to do what they wanted to do exactly the way they wanted to do, I can almost guarantee you a lot more films out there would be a lot better than they turned out. Yeah. I, you know, it's just engaging in that specific level of passion. And yeah, yeah they didn't, it wasn't a business for them necessarily at this point. It was a passion. So right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where that, the magic lies in right there. Right. And th- that being said, you know, Sam Raimi later in his career makes it a habit. He's not the only one who does it, but a, a, a noticeable example of he wears a suit to set. And the reason is this is a job and I respect the job that everyone else around me is doing enough to treat this like a job. And I don't think you need to have a suit on to do that. But I do think you need to have that kind of respect for every artisan around you yeah, to make what you're doing mean more than it could, would otherwise. And that sort of I'm above this attitude and that that poisons things. And the other thing that poisons stuff is fear, not fear that you'll fail, fear that everyone will think you're a failure. Yeah, right. Nothing stinks more. Ain't that a bitch. It it just, people can smell it from a mile away. Yeah. And it doesn't make you a good hang. Conversely, it doesn't make your art a good hang. Right. And the reason as disturbing and as unnerving and weird (laughs) as the Evil Dead is, it's still a good hang because you feel the passion going into every moment around it. Right. And you actually really do see the team effort behind it too. Like it was a very much a collaborative effort and right down to the shimps. Mm-hmm. It was just, and I love that. I love that. So now that we've talked about the evil dead in general for half an hour, why don't we talk about the actual movie? <laughs> I got to go actually. I, I just oh, wanted whoops, to. Sorry. Well, why don't you tell people where they can talk find about you? my thoughts. All right. So welcome back to the Evil Dead cabin, everybody. When we last met, Shelly had suffered an attack of sudden oatmeal syndrome, uh, <laughs> becoming a deadite, biting off her own hand. Not not for any particular reason, mind you. It doesn't it doesn't make her I think a better. Just, I think she just. I honestly think she just tried to freak them out. Which which that would, that would certainly <laughs> well, yeah. work for me. I mean, if, if I was getting oh, into a yeah. fight with somebody yeah. and they, they just like like you know, chewed through their own wrist till their hand fell off, I mean, I would certainly be you know, you know, you know, stunned enough for them to to be able to take, to 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 overcome me. Yeah, I would and, act like Ash in that moment, just stand there. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and it's 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 an original component to it that we'll start to see more and more. I mean, certainly, um, Freddie does a lot of this. Where he's like, hey look what I can do. And <laughs> then he cuts something off and, and ooze comes out of it. But here there's no, there's no impulse within the deadites to go. This is going to help us win the day. They're simply agents of chaos. I, I just gained a hand. You know, what would be funny if I bit it off. Yeah. 
It's not going to help you win the war against the living. They don't fucking care. They're not an organized force. Like it's, that, that doesn't happen for two more movies where uh-huh. someone comes in and goes, listen, I've decided maybe we should kill all the living. Everyone act like an army. And then everyone's like, oh, I guess I just got bones, but I guess play. I'll make one of them a flute. Sure. Yeah, play why bone not? flutes. I was going to say. <laughs> That's how you win a war. You get bone flutes. Bone flutes. Uh, here, there's no bone fluting. Um, it's just like, uh, you know what will make these people just shudder up against the wall, hoping it all just ends? If I bite my own fucking hand off, that's got the dagger in it that can kill you. I don't need this. I can outlast you. I I, I don't need this hand to, to win this fight. Nope. And I think that's why it makes it so creepy, too, in this film, is that they're just, you feel like you can't win if they're just constantly being like, oh, yeah, I don't care. (laughs) It's like that moment in the book of of World War Z, where the army faces off against this horde of zombies. And they're like, don't proceed across this bridge. And they just all start running at you. And like, well, all right, we'll start shooting them. And they don't care. Mm. bullets don't mean anything to fucking zombies they don't care that's that's not on their priority list and then they get overrun because you can't shock and awe zombies and here deadites absolutely can shock and awe your ass into just crawling up against the wall clutching an axe like i hope this is over soon i don't want to be a part of it (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's why Deadites scare me the most out of any kind of uh, villainous creature of horror. And I, every time an Evil Dead film comes out, like with the 20, uh, was it 2013? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2013 and Evil Dead Rise, I get, I, I get hesitant to see them because they scare me. They're so very, much. they're very yeah. effective. You know, especially really especially when they dig in, start with the mocking and the laughing and all. I mean, that's oh. yeah, no, it's very, it's a very sadistic edge to it. That's very effective. Yeah. Right. I well, mean, the entire time Scott is fighting Shelly, you've got, you've got a cellar hag yelling at him. No, <laughs> you love her. <laughs> like, well, yeah, don't do you that. Know, two you love, love this boat. person. Yeah. You know, his sister and his girlfriend. It's like, what the fuck? You love this person who just ate their own hand off and is trying to stab you with a bone knife. <laughs> it just it gets to the point at the, at a certain point where Scott is just begging Ash to like hit her, and then he goes hit it. He, he even changes the pronouns and hopes that it's not a it's not a her anymore. It's an it, and Ash is like I don't know. This might as well happen. He is. In that Friday the 13th, well, it's been a good run mode. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he just like, he's just like, I'm just yeah. going to you know, pretend I'm in Hawaii or something. I'm not here right now. Please leave a message. <laughs> Disassociating. Yeah. <laughs> he's drinking something with an umbrella out of a coconut, you know? Uh, he's not there. To the point where, he, like, after Shelly kind of decomposes a little bit and explodes... He is shaking Ash going, we've got to bury her. Like, guys, Shelly has just been chopped up with an axe and parts of her are still shaking. I don't know if you cut up somebody and they're still moving around a lot and someone's going, we got to bury this. 
that's I don't know that I can because it's still moving around. Right. That implies it's still. Yeah, alive. I'm not. T- I'm not. So I'm, not I'm not spider. touching any of those parts. Yeah, I can barely touch a spider that still looks alive, like a tiny little spider, <laughs> let alone a freaking former human, now oatmeal demon. Like that just, it's, and also watching the scene, by the way, because I have it on in the background. This was my first time watching it since doing the musical. And now my brain is just, I don't know if you you both or any of you are familiar with the musical, but there's a, song, a duet between Scott and Ash, where right after uh, they chop her up, they just see yeah. a tango called, what the fuck is that? <laughs> was a demon too. It's, oh, I love it. It's so good. It is so good. Um, I, I think this, you can see something like this as a direct line to Return of the Living Dead, where it doesn't matter what you do to the, that particular subset of zombie. They're going to continue on. There is no destruction of them. Yeah. Even when you put them in a fire, that becomes an environmental hazard where it just continues to create. There's no stopping of the zombies. They're just, you can contain them. You cannot control or destroy them. That's what's so and scary. As such, that, that is the one of the big unnerving qualities, the quietly unnerving qualities of the evil dead that... There's no resounding, aha, I've killed the deadite. You don't know what you fucking killed. That's, yeah. there's no guarantee that shit's going to stay in a grave. Right. Cause I mean, deadites were a new concept at this point. Exactly. So there was no formula, no like, oh, all they need to do is this and then they're going to die. And so it was scary. I mean, the, be- the best you can, you can do is, is you wait for the sun to rise. Exactly. That that's I I think pairing this with the vampires is one of your one of the saving graces that that is the underlying connective tissue here is that deadites don't do well in the sun until they do until it's time to just rush at you through a a, a cabin and put you on a on a spinny cam uh they don't do so well in the sunlight they they kind of lose their luster as it is they're just rushers um now <laughs> scott being scott um decides listen i'm not going to stick around we gotta leave and ash is like well i have a girlfriend she was stabbed very painfully in the ankle she's not gonna be able to hike out this motherfucker we can't drive the bridge is out and scott's like see you don't want to be you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just that, out that, that might be our, our that might be horrors most you have to yp not an mp yeah, <laughs> I don't know why he feels he's immune to getting the same tree battering syndrome that Linda received, or not Linda, that Cheryl received earlier. But of course, she really wasn't able to communicate that quite. She's like, the forest is alive. And Scott's like, I don't know what the fuck that means. You're hysterical. Yeah. I mean, for all uh, he knows, it's all in the cabin. So he's safe if he just wanders out there. Right. And <laughs> meanwhile, Ash is like, well... She's a human being. I'm not really going to abandon her. And Scott's like, well, good luck. Good luck with outie. all that. <laughs> <laughs> and just takes off for the wilderness, which is a great plan. No notes. Um, and so Ash being the sensitive soft boy that he is, he instantly goes back to check on Linda, who's in yet another disconnected room in this, voluminous cabin that seems to have 
an, an endless amount of rooms for what is uh, on the outside a, a tough shed. Um, and now, now she's wearing apparently you know, demonic possession has given her some sort of like 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 lingerie lingerie set. Right. I yeah. Mean, I mean, yeah, that's par for the course. Yeah. This <laughs> I I would say if anything kind of becomes a trope after this, it's that <laughs> it's that once you go deadite. All of a sudden, your horniness level goes through the roof. But what makes you horny is very different. It's not sex-based. It is sexual. But it's more like um, it's fun to have a body and to tease you, asshole. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, And so she instantly... uh, (laughs) has an ankle wound that spider webs (laughs) outward. And... Boom, she's she's a deadite. Um, now what I we discussed in the previous episode how everyone's hair turns curly, which Oh is, yeah. I don't know why everyone gets instaperm other than every every shemp is sharing the same wig. That's probably the reason. <laughs> oh, it's the eighties. They love themselves a good perm. So, you know, if they have a human <laughs> but they didn't body, walk into yeah. it with the perm. It's just there's something about a Jedi powers. entering your system where your hair is like, I don't know, time to get curly and bouncy, baby. They get very human. Well, I thought yeah. what I think is interesting is um, how you could see that they are experimenting with different kinds of makeup for each of the of the deadites. Mm-hmm. Like you've got Cheryl right. in the in the basement who is she's kind of a traditional, you know, possessed face, little 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 bit of little bit yeah. of exorcist face going on. And then you've got mm-hmm. Shelly yeah. who just like she's just like rotting. Shelly was just yeah, caked on. Like, just like, like she looks burnt. She looks half melted. She looks in like active decomposition. And then you've got mm. uh Linda who just got the milky eyes and then like the sort of almost like baby Jane like makeup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is it is a specific look that I have decided to call clown on her day off. <laughs> because you don't. You're not a uh, full white face, but you just have the white eyebrows, then yeah. some pronounced veins, and gangster mole lipstick. It's a, <laughs> it's a distinct look. A little bit of the Joker lips going up. A little bit of the Joker lips, but it doesn't really extend beyond the lips. It's interesting. Um, you know, she oatmeal's here and there, but that tends to come and go. She likes her and, pretty face. I think it is. She yeah. Just wants to well, I think they're that. trying to, you know, up the the psychological torture for Ash because the deadites know that he has feelings, and they're like, "Well, let's fuck with that." And so, what you get out of her is a lot of maniacal laughter. And what's the deal with her wobbly head? Why can't? Why is she so wobbly? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I, I, yeah. I do love the, uh, and this is kind of, you know, we talked about this in the last episode, Patrick, about the the very long close-ups of when he, him and, and, and Ash and Linda are, when he's trying, when he's thinking about the right time to give her the necklace. And he just, yeah. like, the, the, oh, yeah. the very drawn out slapping her, like, with, like, the dramatic stinger of music, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Twice. Done. Let's try a third time. Done. Maybe fourth will do it. <laughs> It's yeah, and then she like comes to, and she's not in the clown the clown on her day off makeup anymore. She's like, 
Oh, Ash, don't let them take me again. Don't let them take me again. And then you have Cheryl, who's in the basement, who's gone half She-Hulk. It's She's got oatmeal face, but it's gone green. <laughs> this does not happen again. It only happens in this one shot. You're like, why don't we add some green for funzos? <laughs> Listen, they're, exper- no, they're experimenting, and it's interesting to say. Yes. Because I'm not sure in what sequence they shot anything, but do you think it was maybe a budgetary issue why maybe she wasn't as oatmealed out as the others or they did something I think different? every time they did it, they tried something different and they didn't worry about continuity. I respect that. Because we don't come to the evil dead for reality. Respect. <laughs> and sure. as such, I it doesn't matter to me that Ash is constantly getting covered with blood and then walks into a different room and he's like, well, I got rid of most of that, (laughs) but there's still some black stuff on my chin and my nose. (laughs) That's constant. But everything else just kind of comes and goes, baby. Like he should be, when he is drowned in blood, he should be that wet for the rest of the movie. There's no heat source that would be drying that up. But when he gets back up into the main house, he's like, well, that's a crazy thing that happened. But there's no after effects of that. It's just like, who knows if that really happened is the other part. There's no definitive, this is happening in your head, this is happening in reality, unless you get smacked into a bookcase. And even then, I mean, at this point, if this was happening to me, I would still question reality. Right. This brings up an interesting question, and I wanted, I know that you two will will bring the interesting answers, and that is, do you think this group is getting that cleaning deposit back? Mm. Yeah, no, no. They're, 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 they're not getting that cleaning <laughs> deposit back. They're getting a, a one-star rating on cabin B&B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One out of ten, do not recommend. On Evil Verbo, they're not going to get five stars. There was a a mess of oatmeal everywhere. Milk was spewed all over the place. (laughs) They do not know how to handle their breakfast foods. And there's a book that appears to be made of human flesh that is just charred and sitting in the And now the whole whole house smells like burnt flesh. (laughs) (laughs) And... You return, right? You rent somebody a place. And then you find out when you go back there that there are two freshly dug graves, <laughs> one of which someone appears to have walked out of. That How are you going to explain that to the neighbors? <laughs> no, perhaps it was the Deadites plan all along. Maybe they were around <laughs> before that they were summoned and they owned this cabin and it was all just a ruse. <laughs> So you think that maybe deadites are the result of big hotel that, you know, hotels can handle this sort of thing. You know, I, yeah, I would not be surprised. Anything's possible. Every, anything is anything possible. is possible. We didn't mention, but it's true. Scott comes back and the trees have beaten the holy shit out of him. The My only complaint is we don't get to see it because if there's anyone I want to see smacked around after what he's put me through for the first hour of this film is Scott to get his shit rocked by branches. If only there was a deleted scene somewhere. (laughs) Truly. That would be amazing. He kind of turns a little oatmeal-y too. His makeup is kind of half oatmeal. He gets a little half oatmeal. Half oatmeal. Yeah, he gets like a phantom of the oatmeal situation happening on his face. (laughs) Like, I still want to see it move, but 
I also want to see some. Not quite sure where what it wants to do at that point. Yeah. Um, This at at this point, when when you know you've got Ash surrounded on all sides by deadites, this is when Scott. I I can't remember if it's, it's Cheryl who says, "Don't do this to me." I'm your sister. And I'm like, the fuck you just say? <laughs> Is this the first time I'm realizing that Cheryl and Ash are related? Yeah, it's, uh, I was going to mention that to you. That's like, I discovered that reading it on Wikipedia. I'm like, wait, they're okay, sure. It's like, wait, Cheryl Williams? Like, like yeah, as in, oh, okay. Oh, did okay. they not establish that earlier? Did I? I mean, if, I, yeah. if they did, I've missed it every time I've watched it. I always now, that's knew not they to were say siblings. I haven't missed it. Because I've missed this admission every time I've watched it until this time. Oh, yeah. I Now I really want to rewatch it from the beginning and see. Because I always were, was under the impression, like, I knew, I don't know how I knew they were siblings. But, yeah, I now I really want to rewatch this. I never I'm really look at them that. with last names. I'm sure that was the giveaway. But it's not, it's not necessary knowledge. Because they don't treat each other like siblings. Well, it makes sense why she is tagging along then. Right. Why she's slightly disconnected. That's a, a familial uh, sort of fifth wheel. That It makes more sense that way. Right. It's like forcing the younger one to come along. And he's like, fine, mom. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of things that you do to children and not adults, I've never dragged an adult by their ankles. <laughs> really? No, huh. no, I've never had need to, nor do I want to have need to. Yes. Yeah, you know, I I don't wager that would be very pleasant. And I don't no. want to get lost in thought thinking about it either, because then that would be weird on my part. I love that. I love that shot. Like when it's just like the camera's just tracking, like her, her body's being pulled through the, the cabin. Oh, yeah. And then the last thing you see yeah. is like, is just uh, uh, Shelly just, wa- um, uh, uh, Cheryl just watching them. And I, I just, I think yeah. just, I love that. I think it's so well done. Oh, that's a great shot. It's, it's great. Um, Ollie will still uh, request an occasional dragging, uh, but it, it's not as much fun when he's nearing a hundred pounds. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll say that right now. Uh, it feels too real. Uh, it was a lot of fun when he was five. Um, and then when he, it, Ash like just dumps um linda outside and then comes back like well i can't do anything for you now and goes back inside and then and attempts to give scott some water and all the water does is kind of dribble out the sides of his mouth yeah i god bless like a dying scott's not the most effective actor in the world he does yeah. his best he really god bless he really tries but I mean, and you know, Ash is you know you you can feel Bruce Campbell like you got to give me one monologue <laughs> where I can get an Irene Ryan acting competition nom out of this, and so he's just giving it his his absolute best, and then he's interrupted by a thunder strike and what sounds to me like a Castle Dracula werewolf. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, it's a little late in this movie to add. There's just a werewolf. I mean, I, I guess you know they're just. They're prowling and they're like, well, I'm not getting involved in that shit. I'm letting everyone else in the pack know we're not getting near that cabin tonight. Usually I would scat in there for fun, but not tonight. Uh, Linda <laughs> reappears in the house because like what's really keeping her outside. 
and she stabs Ash in the arm with that Kandarian dagger. And she, and she, like the, and she licks the li- blood off like like someone is licking oh, hot yeah. blood off a spoon. She's just she is just <laughs> she, she is just relishing that. She, I feel like this is like how Leatherface has his like pretty girl mask. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like this is like the pretty version of the Deadite because her mascara. She has like drawn on mascara at this right. part. That's just it's like her fancy makeup. <laughs> But she also has cabaret fake eyelashes. Yeah, the Liza Manillis, like the yeah. (laughs) Like where did she apply that? Like this, dude. That's where she went. Deadites make like I mean, it's already obviously changing the appearance, but that's a very specific thing to do. It's a choice for sure. It is a choice. Now I will counter that. I don't think she is relishing licking that fake blood off of that fake knife because I've seen Ollie. Fake enjoying squash more convincingly. There's a, <laughs> the, the, the tongue is on there and she's trying, but you also get the feeling like, uh-huh. How many takes? Agree to disagree. I think I think I think she I think she's I think she's getting a kick out of it. Because I would. I think so. I, I would I would have so much fun building a shot like that. Might taste yeah. like strawberry. Too. <laughs> It might. It might. Based on the reactions I've seen of people putting fake blood in their mouth, it doesn't. It doesn't come off as delicious. Yeah, uh, I've had to do it a few times, and it could either taste like child's medicine, the Mm -hmm. good kind, or it could taste like the not so good kind. Yeah. At least this isn't like the Italian giallo fake tempera paint version of blood. This at least has a normal viscosity to it, uh, but I can't imagine it tasting delicious. Yeah. Um, now, when Ash and Linda have a fight <laughs> with this dagger, he shoves Linda up against the wall and she decides, I'm sick of doing this with my right dominant hand. I'm going to put the blade of this knife in my less dominant left hand and see how that goes. Again, Deadites are not looking for victories. I think they're just seeing what interesting happens when I do this. Yeah, it's like, maybe I'll just wear them down. Yeah. Yeah. Deadites are triers. They're just, they don't, they're not worried about wins and losses. They're experimental. I was going to say, I don't know if it's established in the later films I, or if I'm making this up or if it's a, just a common knowledge, but don't they try to wear you down so you're weak enough for them to possess you? Or am I thinking of a different <laughs> movie? Well, I think that's certainly something that's brought up a lot um, in the 2013 version. Because yeah. what... I I initially had a I don't know how to feel about this reaction when I saw it the second time I'm like oh I fucking figured it out it's not they're not recreating the evil dead they're taking the concepts that they thought were most interesting about the evil dead and exploring them to their fullest and then I'm like all right this is fucking genius and one of those is I don't normally possess a body so when I get shoved into one I'm going to see what I'm going to, I'm going to take this bad boy for a ride. I'm going to see you can fit so many gory moments into this bad boy. And they slap <laughs> the hood of the car, which is the body that they're possessing. And so once you understand that concept, 2013 makes a lot more sense yeah. as to why, what they're doing, what they're doing. 
And I just think that they like fucking with people. It's just what they enjoy the most. Yeah. Everything else is a fringe benefit of the psychological horror of tormenting the fuck out of you. Yeah. They love their work. They love their work. Yeah. Uh, they they, do they love what they do. They <laughs> If we could all say that to you ourselves know, when we go into it, we would probably I, enjoy I, it more. I, I wish I could sit at my oh. desk and just gleefully cackle. Yeah, just <laughs> to yourself every so often. Yeah. Have somebody glance yeah. over, kind of avoid you, step and back like Homer. Exactly. <laughs> just bobble your head when you're when you have the curliest hair you've ever had and just laugh and laugh. I mean, when I let my hair air dry sometimes, it's mm-hmm. just that volume sometimes does make you cackle a bit. It's it's there's something powerful about curls. You are the one friend of mine <laughs> who has the most unbelievable hair volume I've ever seen I, on a I real appreciate person. that. It's been coming out over the last year. <laughs> so I try to fake it as much as I can. So uh, maybe I will cackle more. Maybe yeah, that does no, make me want to cackle. You should. <laughs> You've earned it. You've earned well, that thank cackle. You. Thank you. It's because I'm uh, a dead eye. Linda, meanwhile, in her fight with Ash, trips over Scott's dead ass body because what the fuck is he good for? And then falls on that dagger, which is on her left hand. I don't, don't ask me how it happens because it's not real. But she instantly goes bad milk robot as a result. And uh, this entire set must have just stunk of rotting and sure. Yeah, she, uh, she, oh, just, she doesn't die nearly as hard as, uh, as Shelly does. Right, yeah. Well, I feel like Shelly has a lot more parts missing. Uh, you know, yeah. she it's a it's death by misadventure. Of course, it would it, it would be ill-advised to say that this is her undoing because in point of fact she's not dead yet this is a mere a bump in the road to her eventual fight so <clears throat> we also get a very slow leak out of scott's mouth if there's one thing that scott is 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 best at it is losing liquid out of his mouth <laughs> the milk makes me think of aliens every time i see it right yeah. I think that it's yeah. bad milk robot. It's yeah. It's uh, and you know when you think about it, when they're making this movie, it is uh, that is uh, something they probably have just seen, and it's not something that everyone else picks up on. Of like, well, if you're gonna do a bunch of kids get killed in in a cabin in the woods, you're definitely gonna spew milk out your mouth. Yeah, that's that's definitely something you're gonna see. You also don't think that you're going to hear the love theme from the evil dead. And, <laughs> right. And yet we do. Um, so Ash initially tries to hack her up in the hack shack, um, but he doesn't really, um, they can't bring himself to do that. So he's just going to dig her a grave. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, at this point in my life, I have like one grave digging in me per night. I don't yeah. think I can dig two graves, you know, <laughs> maybe a younger man, yeah. but yeah, not that's me. a little, well, I mean, you know, Ash is like 22. Right. He can handle yes. It. He's yes. I'm just saying this is one of those road, you know, those, those road signs um, where you pass by it and you evaluate where you are on your journey. And I am past 
digging two graves over the course of the Yeah, life. that's going, that first one's going right in my lower back. Yeah, I feel, yeah. I've never dug a grave to my knowledge, but I feel like <laughs> knowing me and- what, what did someone tell you you were digging when you were digging something out of the freshers? I mean, I'm a big fan of treasure hunts, so <laughs> that's the impression I got. But uh, I just, I- I just, it seems, they make it seem so much easier than it is. I don't know if it's just a strong person's game, but I feel like mm-hmm. literally two digs and then I would end up just hunched over like, ah, for like five yeah. days straight. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a just, lightning. I think you would be feeling it in your lower yeah, back. Yeah, there's like a lightning like bolt said, coming out you know. of your back, like a, like a medication Ugh, commercial. I can feel it right now. <laughs> the bad back club is not a fun club to it, be it in. It is not. No, uh, no. No, no. You got to really engage your core in order to get into the earth. What's a core? Uh, and they don't tell That's you that. That's what I say. Um, so, uh, <laughs> we've already, I've already mentioned the fact that if you own an Airbnb and you come back from renting it out and there are two freshly dug graves in your front yard, that's just going to be, you can already tell some shit's gone on that, that, that your cleaning bill is just going to be outrageous. Um, now he manages to get Linda into that grave and completely buried, but of course he's not buried her with the necklace that he gave to her. And so when he reaches down to pick it up off the ground, she carries right on out of there. Um, and luckily for Ash, there's a styrofoam beam from a location <laughs> shoot of a $6 million man. Apparently, I don't know. There's been no styrofoam beams up until this point. Oh it God. just happens to be right outside. Now and it's just, I love watching in live time talking about it because <laughs> these are things I don't notice. I don't pick up on. And uh, yeah, her, she definitely has the curliest of curly wigs in this scene. She, yes. And she and powdered, it makes, yeah, powdered it sugar. It makes sense that you have like 14 guys portraying Linda at various <laughs> points when she's in the makeup. But this one's my um, favorite. I just think you, you need a, a less curly wig. All in all, it's pretty. Yeah, it's 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 definitely different. It's noticeably <laughs> different. It is definitely different. Um, and so, uh, by God, when she comes in for a four point frog splash, oh my god, on Ash, he just so happens to grab that shovel and cut her head off with the business end. That doesn't mean he doesn't get bukkakeed by her stump after the fact. <laughs> he gets there are he four gets, different heads. Th- and yeah, wigs. there's one. There's one there with there. Like it's I don't even know where they there's, got it from. <laughs> there was a short-haired <laughs> wig with very short bangs. The final one just is kind of scraggly, and then the living one is a redhead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it's beautiful. It, it, yeah. Again, we don't come to Evil Dead for reality. Um, I just enjoy the after effect. Yeah, if you if it. you have a if you have um, a fetish for for men getting like liquid in their face, this is this is this yeah. this is uh this is it, man. This is all your dreams are coming true. This is, is, the too. This uh, is your yeah. jackpot. If, if this is something that gets you off, you can only be so erect. So just <laughs> keep in mind, it's only an hour and twenty five minutes. Um, so he manages to clean up. Uh, his face for whatever reason. And this is when he realized that Cheryl is out of the basement. Um, And then he gets into a struggle uh, over the shotgun, which ends with Cheryl taking one to the chest, but doesn't really seem to slow her down very much. No. 
Uh, and this is when he's let off one shot and he realizes this gun only has one shell in it. Where did I see the other uh, shotgun shells? And you just see him go into the basement. He, fall, he, fall, he falls down the, the basement time. stairs, which is like the most relatable moment any harm we ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is the one time I do miss the ADR from Evil Dead 2 because there's that wonderful <laughs> section where he goes, basement. Oh, yeah. To no one. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, it's just a microphone. It's, just it's not, you don't see his mouth move. You just hear basement. Like, okay, we need to really put exposition in here. We forgot to say where exactly you're going. So here's yeah. your ADR. <laughs> Let me tell you where it's happening. Basement. basement. Cool shed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gravestone. <laughs> I don't know why he turned into Christian Bale Batman. <laughs> Linda. Swear to me where the basement is. <laughs> so he uh, goes down into the basement and then the leaky pipes have now just started to leak blood. And I tell people all the time, do not flush sanitary products no. or body parts down a toilet because they will just gather in the in the pipes down there. And then it's left to me to clean up that mess. Yeah, they'll just bleed everywhere. They'll just pour buckets yeah. of blood if you do that. Just no fun for buckets anyone. of blood. <laughs> we You would get a blood explosion. You get a haunted Victrola. You get um, blood on uh, a movie projector. Blood on the dance floor. Somebody stole my heart. <laughs> All of it. Is this the first? Now, I you know you you may you may have the answer, or maybe one of our uh, one of our our lovely listeners may have. Is this the first movie to have that whole shot of somebody standing in front of a movie screen while a mysterious projector is projecting something on them? Yeah, huh. I do wonder that. Because I, I hadn't remembered that, that this was a part of this. And this is that that moment where, is this happening in real life? Or is this his brain being broken? Because he has that sort of Fay Ray looking at King Kong thing where he goes, I don't know what's doing. Because <laughs> you've got like, because you've got and, like uh, uh, um, Insidious had a, a pretty... Uh, a pretty effective version of it. And then you've got right. uh, the first it had the, the scene yes. where the, the slide projector basically you know, becomes yeah. possessed. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm thinking it probably is not the first, but I, I think that everything that has come after that is you know, going by this particular scene. Right. So whatever I think uh, of is definitely after this. I mean, I know it's not a spooky projector, but uh, Friday the 13th 4 has the projector scene. And then um, true. there's absolutely uh, true. Uh, well, sinister. I mean, sinister. That's what I was thinking. All, not, all not, sorts not of sinister. You're right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're kind of the same. Um, they're sisters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're kissing cousins. Um, I, if someone in the audience who's shouting at their phone right now, please, you know, you know, you know where we, we don't mind. We can handle let, let being corrected. Just be polite about it. Yeah. I would love to be corrected because I'm asking for this information. I swear to you, I won't look it up in between because I will forget that we talked about it until I edit the episode. Um, when Ash does get back upstairs, that very useless clock seems to be ticking and a talking all of a sudden. And then it makes a sound like it's fucking Big Ben. <laughs> like, 
It's very grandiose for a small clock in a living room in an abandoned cabin. Yeah, and these Dutch angles are aplenty in this scene. I love all of the flippity-floppity angles that they just went every which way they wanted to with this. Well, because he has the freedom of a very small camera. Yeah. And he knows he wants... The only special effect that he knows he can absolutely deliver at any point in time is a unique POV. Yeah. And as such, he's trying to make the absolute most of every shot to just tell you where to look and tell you how to feel about what you see. Well, and I think and, anytime there's a, you know, relatively recent or post evil dead movie that, that shows evil dead, it's always like this sequence here that they're showing on screen. I feel like, cause yeah. for a good reason, cause it's amazing. Um, and then we have a sequence, which of course ends up repeating. And one of our favorites, Gina, hello, Mary Lou prom night <laughs> two. Where he reaches into a mirror and oops, it's water. Yes. And that breaks his brain. But of course, in Hello, Mary Lou, it's I reach through a, uh, a chalkboard uh, in a sequence, which I still can't believe is in that movie because <laughs> it looks so fucking good. It's a, I love that movie. It's the best. <laughs> Such a good movie. <laughs> it's the fucking best. Like um, Gina and I were, were talking about it a little and, you know, I don't we, we aren't the we're not in charge of the Mary Lou cult, but I do feel like we gave it a very big push at a moment. It came back into the public. Consciousness. I, I have no, I have no issue taking, taking partial credit for it. As a listener. Yeah. I agree. Definitely. I, I just think it had been out of circulation for so long. And then when it did come into circulation, we just happened to jump on it at the right time. So um, the only kudos I can give us really is, is just having fantastic taste and loving Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Um, but uh, this is the point which um, Ash hears a horse on the roof, which <laughs> unless Santa is coming to town, you probably shouldn't be hearing. I, mean, I feel like that would be the scariest part of all, just out of nowhere hearing a horse. Yeah, people don't really bring up how frightening it would be to have something the size of Santa's sleigh and reindeer land on your motherfucking roof. It's terrifying. It unnerves me when the cat next door jumps. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or if you hear like a, a, a rat in the wall or a squirrel on top of your, your roof, it's terrifying. Yeah, it makes way more noise than you think. There's no fucking way. Like Santa better be magical. If he's doing that in such a way you don't fucking notice. <laughs> Never thought um, about that. Uh, Cheryl takes a blast to the face. And this is completely unsexual. Um, <laughs> Scott achieves complete sudden oatmeal syndrome, but also develops a dog nose. Why does he have a dog nose? <laughs> yeah, this is this is uh, some makeup they're experimenting with that I don't know entirely works. Maybe they were because trying to go for a, a, a rotted nose or something. Yeah, I, it really comes off, you know, St. Bernard. It is a little St. Bernardy. But yeah. I, yep. I don't know if either of you have ever watched the music video for The Dog Police, but <laughs> I think we should cover it on Kill the Rockstar, Jaina, because it's not intentionally a horror short. It's unintentionally a horror sure. short. <laughs> you you say sure, but you don't sound sure, oh, Jenna. Goodness. I trust you. 
<laughs> I don't think you should because you're one person before you know the existence of the dog police music video and, and someone else after. Because <laughs> that is a song that is under the belief it is very funny. And then you watch the music video for it and go, I don't think any part of this is funny. And all these people should go I to jail. I need to watch it if I haven't already because I can't place the name. But now I'm very curious. It is one of the most frightening images you're ever going to oh, see. Maybe I should have. Is these three gentlemen walking side by side in dog makeup going, oh, dog police. Wait, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, weird shit like that is what gets me. Like that aren't supposed to be scary, but they're just so yeah. unnerving that it's just like, why is this yes. David Lynch nightmare? Uh, <laughs> There's just no way they didn't think it looked like a fucking dog. It just, it looks like a dog. Oh my gosh. When he puts the fingers in Scotty's eyes, he looks like he's wearing like a, um, a, a judge's, um, wig, uh, what are they called? The judge wigs? The powdered, <laughs> powdered wig. Yes. Yeah. The, quite yeah, simply, the powdered yeah, wig. Like they, yeah, they make his hair gray for some reason, which I can't, and I can't yeah, figure out. The nose is, I in that scene, it's very hard to think that they weren't being intentional with the dog nose. I think they're going for skull because there's a slight skull tooth thing going on in his upper lip. But there's no other skull yeah. elements to it other than the gray of the wig. So I think they were going for a grim reaper. And, yeah. It just comes out. It's St. Bernard. And shortly after, when he grabs the necklace, it's kind of positioned and shaped in the shape of a skull. So maybe this was the point where it's like, you know, now it's the death. It's death. Yeah, <laughs> death sure. is here. Yeah. It, there's an intention behind it. It just, it misses, it misses the, the mark because, um, you know, what are you going to do? Sometimes people look like dogs. Um, Ash treats Scott's face like an instant Play-Doh Play fun factory. <laughs> Um, he pushes in those eyeballs. Um, and then there's like one piece of wood inside of Scott that appears to hold all his blood. So when Ash pulls it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's like a like, Niagara Falls of blood. It's like you hope that he has bubble gum in his pocket. <laughs> Plug it up. Right. Um, and he has this look on his face like, I needed those 13 gallons of blood <laughs> to live and falls over. Oh my gosh. And then, and then Scott basically attacks him from the ground. Cause he doesn't have enough blood. to stand He has up. enough blood to operate Meanwhile, his one hand. Yeah. He, he's got enough juice in him that he's trying to milk Ash's leg. And then, Cheryl, meanwhile, is just beating the shit out of Ash's lower back, which has already taken punishment from those two graves. But now he's really getting it. And then as a result, he's like, I don't know if that book can burn. What happens if I burn the entire book? So he uses the necklace to fetch the uh, Necronomicon towards him and tosses it into the fire and then everyone starts to steam from the inside like a self-cooking hot dog. Oh, I love those effects. I love them so they're, much. They're, they're so cheap, but still so icky at the same time. Well, and again, I, I wish those were the effects used in It Chapter 2. Like, I just, I would much rather see that. I love it. It's creepy. Yes. Uh, it's creepy because it's, it's handmade and it doesn't all fit together. It makes right. your brain break a little bit. 
And I just, and I think that's the way I, I just, I love horror that is so handmade and so unbelievable, but in a way where it's not like they're trying to be, you know, CGI is trying to get away with looking realistic. And when it does it, yeah. it's the worst. And here they're not trying to be like, okay, this is going to look exactly like it should look in real life. And I love that. I love that. Those kind of effects. I love that the book just like licks its own eyeball oh. and then Cheryl licks her own eyeball. Like <laughs> this is what we do when we're on fire. We lick our own eyeballs. His, his uh, hand melts oatmeal. Yeah. Like yeah. oatmeal. If you thought we were fucking around with oatmeal, it's, oh, really no, it's, it's flowing in this scene. It's a choice. And you know, you don't see oatmeal blood or body gore anywhere else. Really, Right. Yeah. And I can't, because this was unrated, you don't really need the oatmeal thing, but I do think it's one of those effects that has a, a ripple effect over the years where if you don't want to get caught out for using too much blood, go unrealistic with your body content. It's effective. It's gross. Yeah. Um, are there two arms inside of every deadite? In, in the core of their being, just trying to get out. I Yeah, I guess, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> you don't see that every day. And then when Cheryl does eventually fall over after after all the hands, um, her head falls off and just splashes ash it's again. Right, right to kiss her once more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he stands up and he's half dry. And the other thing that I had seen online... Um, which I found interesting, not interesting, good, but you know, everyone's allowed to question things, but I saw someone complain that we never get to see the original form of the deadites. And I got to wonder like who hurt you? <laughs> like there's no version of an original deadite that would approach what they become when they occupy a person. Like that yeah, is their I, final form. Just be happy. Yeah, I mean, can't, I mean, can't you just they have form? Yeah. They, yeah. They're just non-corporeal. Yeah. I mean, this is more, you know, does this is more effective to try to just kind of imagine what they might look like. Right. Yes. Their form is just whatever they want it to be. Really. It's not like the film holds back visuals. Right. So it, it just, it doesn't matter. That's not what the movie's about. Like you can think it, but why would you say it? Um, so take that random internet person. <laughs> that was me. I'm sorry. You should, I, I didn't want to admit it, but I just, also oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now it's out there. And now you can work towards redemption. I'm very embarrassed. <laughs> so, um, all that's really left is to choose our own death venture. And that's where we decide of the deaths portrayed in this half of, uh, the evil dead. If you were forced to die in that way, which one would you choose and why? You can get possessed and then get hacked up. Or you can get possessed and de get decapitated by a shovel. Or you get beaten to death by an evil tree and then get disintegrated into clay and oatmeal. Or you can get possessed, spend a lot of the time either in a cellar or outside, and then lick your own eyeball before you get steamed from the inside and fall over and just disintegrate. Uh, now, Alyssa, you're our guest, and so I'm asking for you to go first. I mean, it's a tough choice. They all sound very appealing. Um, <laughs> you know, I could find I could find a valid reason for to pick any of those, but I think at the end of the day, after rewatching it, 
I'm going to have to go with decapitation only because then I get to have like six different looks. I get to be a man and know what that's Mm -hmm. like for a hot minute. I get to have fabulous curly hair. True. And I get to just have a mold of my face with like a stort from Mad TV haircut (laughs) briefly when my head gets chopped off. (laughs) And and also I get to look like Liza Minnelli at some point. So I think that's... I think the best of all I could look worlds. back in my final moments and think, you know what? I, I did my best. I did it. I did the thing. <laughs> uh, I enjoy that answer. Gina, if what's I, it, It's just uh, whatever character's demise I choose, am I going to have to have their entire film experience or just this experience for this part of the movie? I, I, I would say the primarily it's the experience around their eventual death. okay then i would take i'm gonna take cheryl because i think cheryl seems like she's having the most fun out of out of out of this whole this, this whole experience when she is when she has turned to a deadite and i you know i just like the idea mm-hmm. of just kind of watching things from a distance and making like 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 evil statler and waldorf commentary so i think right. i think i would uh i think i would pick that no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think just for the sake of variety, I'm going to... Uh, it's like I'm never going to pick Scott. Uh, spoiler alert. I, I feel like despite despite you occasionally putting yourself down, I, I think you'd be a little more useful and helpful than, than in a situation like this than Scott would be. You certainly wouldn't just you know say, well, good luck, y'all, and attempt to leave without helping yeah. anybody. <laughs> I can't picture you doing that. Peace out. Yes, uh, I would like to think that as well. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Shelly. Um, she gets really curly hair. Um, she doesn't suffer for that long. She gets to bite off her own hand, and who wouldn't want to experience? And that? you get to and you get to you, know, you, uh, get, to, you get to knock Scott at, around. Yes, I get to smack the fuck out of Scott, which is something I've been looking That's forward very to doing. And uh, then after I'm hacked up, my, all my parts they just do a little, They do a little jiggle. They, they do a little jello, they do a little jello yeah. jiggle. Each part does their own curly <laughs> shuffle. That's, that's good. Uh, that just about does it. You know, Josh Hollis does all of our fantastic artwork. Go to joshhollis.com uh, for... Uh, his services go to revengebodymemphis at bandcamp.com for this theme, all our other remixes. Um, Alyssa, uh, where can people find you on the internet and hear about what you're doing? Uh, you can find me on the Instagrams is where I usually am haunting at, uh, at Alyssa wag. Very, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just kind of do my thing. (laughs) There's, you know, there's not a whole lot going on these days, but uh, you can find me there. Yes. Pretty cool. I agree. Uh, if I can endorse Alyssa being pretty cool. Thanks. Is, is, Sometimes. Yeah, I believe it with my whole heart. <laughs> Uh, Gina, where can people find you? On I write about internets? movies and television at spool.net. I have a substack, GinaWatchesThings.substack.com. And I am on Blue Sky and Instagram and TikTok under Gina Does Things. Do it today, people. Check it out. Um, we're on your socials everywhere but your Twitter. Uh, we're on Blue Sky. We're on Threads. We're on TikTok. Uh, we're doing it all, baby. Uh, we got a Facebook group that uh, all talks to one another. It's really fun, uh, that they have a good time. If you still got a Facebook, uh, and of course we have a Patreon 
where we're doing chat by chat. We're answering your questions. We're just yakking. We're doing bonus episodes. Um, this month we're doing a bonus episode on Jacob's ladder, which is Ooh. one hell of a motion picture. Um, and we'll be doing a commentary at the end of the month. Uh, we'll be talking over night train to terror. You demanded it. And so we're going to make it happen. We're going to watch the entirety of night train to terror. That's how much we love you all. Um, that is, that is a fucking experience. Let me tell you that. That is one of those where you're going to want to watch the movie with us, baby. Cause that is a trip. You won't know what the fuck we're talking about. It takes some narrative leaps, uh, everybody. Um, and of course, next week uh, is that very special time of year where we celebrate the national holiday that transcends any given nation because the the movies rarely take place in a fixed locale. It's called Saw's Giving, everyone. Uh, it's much better than any other holiday you could possibly celebrate, and it allows you to have some alone time away from your parents that you traveled halfway across the country to visit. And now you're like, I'd like to find a way to not talk to you for a little while. Cause I fear that you're going to start talking about like uh school board elections. And then I'm just going to want to die inside. So listen to us talk about a song movie. We have no idea uh, what came before, or what came after it uh, this year is happens to be a year, in which a, an actual saw movie was released. So we're going to talk about Saw X, Saw 10, everybody. Um, a lot of people liked it. Will we like it? Maybe. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> Will we like it? Um, I don't want to poo-poo anyone's good time, but I do want to see what other people call a good Saw movie. That sounds interesting to me. I love Saw So we got a fun guest. <laughs> we're going to talk about Saw X. It's going to be... Uh, it, who knows what it's going to be, but Jigsaw uh, has a posse and he's taking it to Mexico way. <laughs> so uh, it's not even taking place in America or Canada. So it's got to be better as a result. We'll see. That's next week on Kill by Kill Saw's Giving. Until then, for myself, for Gina and Alyssa, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. bye. bye.